0: so one of my favorite things about getting to be the pastor here is uh we have so so many great volunteers and so when we are missing staff people it's it's awesome to me that we don't miss a beat So I really appreciate Michael and all the others, volunteers who step up and make sure that uh, uh, music and worship still goes as it should, even when they get sort of the emergency call in the middle of the week. So thank you so much to everybody who does that. Really grateful that uh, you guys don't depend on on those of us on the payroll to get all the things done and really grateful to be a part of a church where everybody steps up and does their part. If you have your Bible, we're going to be, try that again. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in the book of Acts. We have taken a break from Acts um, uh, through the month of July. We're back in it, so we've been in Acts for quite some time. So we're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 8. If you don't know where that is, let me just give you some help. If you turn to the middle of your Bible, you'll probably find yourself in Proverbs or Psalms or something like that. Keep going until you get in the New Testament. And so when you get to the New Testament, the first book of the New Testament is Matthew. So you get Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the book of Acts. If you make it to Romans or 1st or 2nd Corinthians, you've gone a little bit too far. So we're in the book of Acts, chapter 8. We're going to read verses 26 through 40 in just a minute. I'm going to give you a minute to turn. Let me just give you a couple of announcements. Uh, Well, one in in particular, we do have a Next Steps class next Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock. So if you are um, visiting with us for the first time or the 14th time, uh, just know that that is coming up next Sunday. The Next Steps class is the class that I lead on Sunday afternoons. It takes about an hour to an hour and a half. Um, and in there we talk about who the, who the church is, what the church is, the history of the church. Uh, I get a chance to sit down and just meet with you, and you get a chance to meet with me, ask any questions you want. So um, we'd ask you to come and, and be a part of that. If, if being a part of Malvern Hill is something you might be interested in, there's no commitment that comes on the back end of the class uh, So other than just to show up. So if you're interested, we'd love to have you. Uh, you can sign up online. You can just show up if you don't. But if you need child care, I really need you to sign up online. There's a link on our website, um, and, and then they'll, they'll, we'll make sure that that's easily accessible. Or you can call the church office, but we just need to know if you need child care. All right? Thank you so much. If you have your Bible, again, we're in the book of Acts, chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. I'm going to ask you if you would, to stand with me in honor of God's Word. I'm going to read verses 26 through 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning in his seat in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading... Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, "...about whom, I ask you, does, this prophet, does the prophet say this, about himself or someone else?" Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, "'See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized?' And as he commanded the chariot to stop, they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more." And went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. As he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Let's pray once more. Father in heaven, I pray that you would open our eyes, ears, and hearts that we may understand your word. That we may know it, Lord God, that we may be impacted by it. Move among us, we pray. In spite of this preacher, pray that your Holy Spirit would be powerful. In Christ's name, amen. To whom is God sending you? To whom is God sending you? Have you thought about that? Has it ever occurred to you that God has a plan for you, for your life? That there are people in this world, maybe a particular person, who God has decreed that it is your responsibility to reach with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? So, who is it? How will you know? I I want you to know this. God never wrote me a letter and said, Craig, these are the three people that I'm expecting you to reach in the next six months. As a matter of fact, we rarely are going to get all the insight that we would want. So the process of reaching people, or excuse me, I guess we call it a process, process of reaching people with the gospel of Jesus is just that It's, it's a process. And it's a process that's built on faith and obedience and understanding. And so this morning, as we consider what it looks like, as we think about this story of Philip, I want to encourage you with four things that I think jump out of this passage. The first thing this morning is I want you to trust God's plan. Trust God's plan. Has it ever occurred to you to think about why it is that we don't obey What keeps us from being obedient? The reality is oftentimes we don't obey because we we don't believe. We don't obey because we don't trust. Think about it. Why don't you always obey the speed limit? You don't obey the speed limit because deep in your heart of hearts, you just don't really think that those people who said 55 miles an hour is the maximum safe speed on this road actually know what they're talking about. See, you don't trust them. Now, we're arrogant in the way that we choose not to trust, aren't we? What they say is, well, they don't know me. Well, they don't understand. Or, or they're just, they, they, that was for somebody else. Obedience begins with trust. Obedience begins with trust. Now, the same is true in our relationship with the Lord. We, we choose not to obey because we don't trust the Lord. Now, we don't really like that. That, that seems kind of harsh when I say it that way. The truth of the matter is, though, like our kids don't obey because they don't trust. Think about that. Why do our kids not do what we tell them? Don't touch that. It will hurt you. So they don't believe us. They don't trust that we're telling them the right thing. Sometimes they don't trust that we have their good at heart. Well, you only tell me that because you don't want me to have any fun. We sort of think about the Lord that way, don't we? Well, he only says that to me because he doesn't want me to have any fun. You don't say that out loud because that would seem kind of heretical. But you don't have to. Our actions say it. Our actions prove our belief systems. They, They show that we don't trust. See, if you desire to be missional and evangelistic, the first step is to trust Jesus and obey his word. Now, a lot of you are like, let's get past all that. Let's just get on to the good stuff. Look at Philip. The Bible says, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go to the south to the road that goes down to Gaza. Now, watch. He didn't say go down to Gaza. He said go down to the road that goes down to Gaza. The Bible is very helpful for us. It describes this as a desert place. Now, it's not just there that we see it. When we read right here in verse 26, it says the road that goes down uh, from, excuse me, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem. Some of your Bibles probably have. Do you have like a little footnote right there at the end of south? You see that? In mine, it's number four. If I go down here at the bottom of my Bible in super small print that I almost need a, micro, uh, uh, a microscope or something to read, it tells me that some manuscripts t- say that, that instead of south, that it says, or go at about noon. It's actually not a manuscript difference. It's a, it's a difficulty in understanding the Greek language right here. So the wording here either means go south or go at about noon. Now let's just assume for a minute that it means go at about noon. Now let's think about how ridiculous this is. Go down to the desert country at about noon and go for a walk. I don't know how many of y'all were outdoors yesterday doing anything, but it was miserably hot, especially at about noon. If somebody calls me and say, Hey, go walk down I-20 at about noon today, the first thought that comes to my mind is not, all oh, right. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know if I'm interested in that. If the angel of the Lord appeared to me and said, Craig, go to the road that leads to Columbia at 12 o'clock today. Or if it didn't say that, if it did just say go south. Go south on I-20 today toward Florence. That doesn't make any sense. How many of you have ever argued with the Lord because he just didn't make any sense in your life? Imagine Philip in this moment going, no, 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 I don't think so. Like That's a desert road. I'm pretty cozy right here. If you want me to go see somebody in Gaza, Lord, I'll do that. But why would I go wait in the middle of the road? That doesn't make any sense. But God told Philip to go to the middle of nowhere because he had a plan for him there. Listen to this. The middle of nowhere might be the center of God's blessing for your life. The middle of nowhere might be the center of God's blessing for your life. God said go. Are you willing to obey the Lord even if it doesn't make perfect sense? Some of you resist God's calls in your life because it just doesn't make sense in your mind. Has it ever occurred to you that the Lord knows more than you know? That the Lord may even know better than you know. See it may be that you discover God's plan for your life. In the middle of a seemingly mundane act of obedience. You may discover God's plan for your life. In the middle of seemingly mundane acts of obedience. Let me just give you an example. I often discover the things that God would have for me. In very mundane acts of obedience that called daily Bible reading. Right there in the middle of God's Word, I often discover that there's something that God wants for me that I have not been doing. There's an act of obedience that I've been neglecting or avoiding. It doesn't happen when I'm doing something major or huge. It happens when nobody else can see anything. Usually, I'm sitting on my front porch watching my dog run around in the yard. I'm reading my Bible right there. At This time of the year, I'm sweating at 5.30 in the morning Because August is terrible. But anyway, um, but often it's in the middle of those mundane acts of obedience that God's teaching us, that he's showing us. Some of you are waiting for the Lord to give you this flashing sign and tell you what he wants from you. And I'm here to tell you today that what he wants is to take the next step of obedience. That's what he wants. It's often not until we're living in the middle of that obedience that we'll discover exactly what God has for us. Philip went to the middle of the road in the desert and it was there that God had ordained for him to have one of the most consequential meetings of his entire life. Right there in the middle of nowhere. God may send you to the middle of nowhere to get you to just the place that he wants you to be. Consider that. Trust God's plan the second thing this morning is you wonder who it is that God is sending to you to. is to be sensitive to the Spirit. Now, we all know what it's like to be sensitive. If you've got like, sensitive teeth, maybe you can't eat an icy or a popsicle because it hurts. If you're overly sensitive as a person, you might not be able to handle critique or criticism. Or you might just be a teenage girl. Um, I couldn't resist. Girl, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Teenage boys are just as bad. They're not, but it's okay. Sensitivity of the Spirit is a little bit different. Sensitivity of the Spirit is, is just us being in tune or attuned to that which the Lord may be directing us towards. Sensitivity of the Spirit is an openness to God sending us to do something, even if we're not 100% sure what it is or how it is that we would be involved. Sometimes sensitivity of the Spirit just equals observation of the world around you. Sometimes sensitivity to the Spirit is just equaling observation of the world around you. Imagine Philip. He goes to the middle of the desert, right? Just walking along. Maybe he feels a push from the Lord to go speak to this guy. The Bible says the Spirit said go. But how did the Spirit speak? Is it possible that the big indication to him that the Spirit wanted him to go speak to that person was the fact that this guy's riding along in a chariot, reading the book of Isaiah out loud? Did it ever occur to you that maybe that was exactly how it was that the Lord spoke to him? We don't know for sure, but the Bible says that the Lord said, go. He was listening, he was observant, he was open. Folks, sensitivity to the Spirit involves us observing the world with this question. How would God have me to be involved in the situations around me? Do you walk into situations regularly saying, Lord God, how might I get plugged into this? God, how might I work in this? How could I be involved in this particular situation? You know, there are times when the spirit seems to be pushing you towards someone. Some of you experienced that before, haven't you? There was just a moment where you just, there was just a welling up inside. You said, I've got to go speak to that person. But if you're like me, sometimes you second guess those things. I don't know if it's the spirit or if it's just me. If you're a 17 year old boy and she's beautiful, it's not the spirit, (laughs) right? That's you. I'm going to help you. I had to go, look, after I picked on the girls, I had to do something, okay? But sometimes we don't know. Let me give you a hint. If you go to somebody and you share with them the love of Jesus, you're never going to be wrong. You say, well, I don't know if the Spirit sent me there or not. Whether the Spirit sent you there or not, if you share with them the love of Christ, you've still done something that's wonderful and excellent. But we're just going to be observant to the world around us. We're going to be open to that. Philip sensed the Lord leading him to speak to this eunuch, but he also noticed that he was reading God's Word. He sensed the Spirit, but he was observant enough to see that God was already at work. Right there, look around, the Holy Spirit may be calling you to get involved where he is working because God is often at work before we arrive. God sent Philip to a desert place, but God had already watered the soil in that dry land before Philip ever showed up. God had already prepared the heart of this man before Philip ever got there. God was interested in this situation. God sent him there and God went ahead of him. Isn't that amazing that God says go and then God meets you there when you get there? Wouldn't that be pretty awesome? That's the way the Lord works. He doesn't send us somewhere if, if he's not going to be there with us. You ever had somebody that made you do things because they didn't want to do them? It's kind of like what being a parent is. Um, I mean, seriously, why don't I weed eat anymore? Because I'm a parent. I don't have to. I, I, I don't have to run that 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 tool in my yard. I, I don't have to run it for at least ten years. I know that. I've calculated it out. That's how long I will have bodies other than me that are able to do that, and they do it for free. It's wonderful. I feed them, they cut grass, it's a great exchange. They don't do that because I want to invest in them and show them how important it is. They do it because I don't want to do it. I'm just going to be honest with you, right? I don't meet them out there with it. I say, here it is, there's the gas, I'm going to the air conditioning, you have a good time. But that's not the way the Lord works in our life. He doesn't send us to do the dirty work that He doesn't want to be involved with. He meets us in those places. He sends us there, and then he's waiting for us before we ever arrive. Because watch, if he sent you there, he's already doing the work that needs to be done before you ever get there. That's what's happening right here. Philip shows up in the middle of the desert, and what does he find? He finds somebody reading from the book of Isaiah. Philip got this softball to hit. Now here's what we're going to do. I want you to take your Bible, and if you can find it, I want you to turn back to the book of Isaiah. All right, you, 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 can, you can probably get there. So turn back to the book of Isaiah. So it's way back in the Old Testament toward the middle. And we're going to turn to Isaiah 53. I want you to see the kind of softball that Philip got. This is how awesome the Lord is. Sometimes he calls us to something, and then he gives us this evidence that this is where we we're supposed to be. If you're not familiar with Isaiah 53, I'm going to read it to you. All right, we'll start in verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Imagine you're Philip. You're just wandering around in this desert place this dry heat you're uh, uh wondering lord am I, I i think this is where you sent me you've been there before right where it's like god i, I think i'm being obedient I, I was felt confidence where you wanted me to go but this doesn't make good sense lord I'm, uh, lord will you show me your will show me your direction for my life maybe Philip wasn't as holy as we want to believe that he was. Maybe Philip had already begun to groan just a little bit. Maybe Philip's prayer sounded more like this. God, I must have made a mistake. Must have misunderstood. There was something lost in the translation because, Lord, I thought you said, come down here to the desert, but here I am and it's the desert. There's a chariot coming. And it's a royal chariot. And it's attended by servants. And you're Philip and you're like... Oh, great, so I'm here, and the only thing I have is this chariot coming from who knows where. It doesn't look Roman. Something looks a little weird about it, but, I mean, Lord, these are the kind of people that are getting us into trouble. Why am I here? The chariot gets a little closer, and the Spirit says, go over there, and Philip's like, all right. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but he just runs over, and he's running along beside the chariot, and he's listening along. And God, I'm doing it. And then Philip hears these words. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. iniquities. Huh? He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we were healed. And Philip goes, oh, I get it. I get it. How many of y'all been there before? Where you're like, oh, Lord, now I see. Philip's all sweaty and nasty and dusty. He looks at this man sitting up tall in his chariot reading his Bible out loud. And Philip says, Hey, man, do you understand what you're reading? And he goes, How can I unless someone tells me? And Philip goes, Yes, I can't believe this happened to me. Right? In a moment, Philip turns from Lord, why am I here? To, Ha ha, look at what God did. Look at this. Look at this. Folks, Philip got a softball to hit. It won't always be quite that easy. But we shouldn't be surprised if when we are obedient to the Holy Spirit, we come across people who want to hear about Jesus. We shouldn't be surprised when we're obedient to the Holy Spirit that we encounter people that God has already been at work in. Which brings us to our third point this morning. You should expect to share the gospel Expect to share the gospel. Let me give you this. You ready? Write it down. If you never expect to share the gospel, you won't. If you never expect to share the gospel, you won't. Imagine... Somebody, football season starting up, right? Imagine a football team full of football players that never expects to win a game. You know what they won't do? They won't win any football games. None of us would be real excited to encounter teammates anywhere that would would be shocked if we could ever actually win a game. And yet somehow or other we've got believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who expect to go throughout their life and never encounter somebody who needs to hear the gospel. You expect to go through your day-to-day life and never have the opportunity to tell somebody about what God's done in your life and about what God could do in their life. When I went on vacation this year, I packed my running shoes and something to work out with. You know what happened? Because I had my running shoes and something to work out with, I worked out while I was on vacation, okay? Doesn't sound real intelligent to y'all, I know, but y'all don't know how much I ate on vacation, okay? I had a choice. I could eat everything I wanted and go for some runs, or I could not go for some runs and not get to eat. I choose the food every single time. My brother took one pair of shoes on vacation, his flip-flops. That was it. I said, hey man, you'll go for a run. He said, I brought my flip-flops. I am going nowhere. I work out every other week. I will not move from right here. If I didn't expect to exercise, I wouldn't have exercised. Folks, do you expect to share the gospel? Do you walk into situations expecting opportunities? Do you expect them to arise? It does look like Philip was anticipating this conversation, right? I mean, we we read the end of Acts 8. Once he leaves here, the Lord sends him somewhere else. And what's he do? He just keeps on going on preaching the gospel. This is what Phillips does. This is who he is. Folks, are you characterized as the kind of person who regularly shares the gospel of Jesus Christ? Would people be surprised to learn that you belong to Jesus? Would they be shocked if they heard you telling the good news of Jesus Christ? I think I've shared this with you all before. I'll share it again, though. One of the things that I want to make sure nobody's ever surprised to learn about me is that I'm married. I-, I want to make sure that that's such a part of who I am that it comes up in regular conversation. There should never be a moment in my life with somebody that I've known for more than five minutes that they would go, you're married? No, 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 no. I want them to go, oh, well, of course. I've heard all about her. Are there people in your life that will be surprised to learn that you belong to Christ? That will be shocked to hear you share the gospel. Why? Why are we missing out on this opportunity? Expect to share the gospel. And not only should you expect it, I want you to have a plan for moving your conversation toward Jesus. Now, for those of you that want to shrug this off as being too much, some of you guys act like you never practiced pickup lines before you met your wife. And some of you ladies act like you didn't like them when they tried. I know, it's the effort. Y'all, we practice everything else in the world. We work to learn all kind of things. Some of y'all can name off the major league rosters for 47 baseball teams. Well, there's not 47, but for all 30 whatever baseball teams, major league baseball teams there are. It's football season. Some of y'all can tell me the seventh-round draft picks that are going to get cut in the next two weeks. I can't learn that. You can learn anything you want to learn. Folks, are we willing to learn and then to practice, look for opportunities not only to share the gospel, But to think carefully about how it is that we might move the conversation toward Jesus. Now now remember, Philip's story is a little bit unfair. He's running along beside this chariot. This dude's reading from Isaiah 53. One of the most evangelistic passages in the whole Old Testament. I mean, I can take any verse from Isaiah 53 and get you to Jesus in about 37 seconds. It doesn't matter. Any one of them can get us there in a hurry. And this guy's already reading it. You don't always have those opportunities. But just think about it as you're walking into a situation. think, You know what? Today when I walk into this classroom, I'm just going to see if there's somebody I can pray for. Today when I walk into this place of business, I've, I've got these two tracks, and I'm looking for somebody that I can give these to today. I'm going to go to the grocery store and I know that they're going to be lined up because they are every single time you walk in and I'm going to have to stand in that line for 47 minutes just waiting to pay for my loaf of bread. What's your plan? You can stare at your phone the whole time and pretend like there's not a world around you or you can try to engage in conversation. Listen, you won't always be successful. Okay? You won't. You're going to stand beside somebody in the checkout line and you're going to be like, hey, how's your day? And they're going to go, fine. Fine. You're going to go, oh, I just, I just came from church today. And they're going to go, okay. And you're going, go, uh, could I pray for you? And they're going to go, no. And you're well, this is awkward. And then you're just going to stand there and stare at the juicy fruit beside you. Like, it's going to happen. Okay? But most of the time it won't. You know, most of the time, folks are open. You don't always get all the way, but they're, they're ready. Folks, do you have a plan? Is there a process in your mind? Is there effort that you're putting in? Expect to share it. Figure out how in the world you're going to get there. What are you going to say? Don't act like you haven't done this before. And then once you have, y'all, anticipate a response. Anticipate a response. Do you expect the gospel to work? You should. You should. It is the power of God for the salvation of all who would believe. Now let's step back and let me have a definition moment for you. Some of you here today, and I'm using this word gospel, and you might not know what that means. The gospel is a fact of history. The gospel of Jesus Christ is this, that he was born of a virgin, lived 33 years of sinless perfection, and then died on a cross outside of Jerusalem, Three days later, he was raised from the dead and walked out of a grave. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. This is why he did it. He did it so that you could be forgiven for your sins. He died the death that he didn't deserve so that you could live the life you could never earn. Some of you are here today and you need to hear that. Some of you are here today. And you need to get rid of whatever anger that you have that's keeping you away from Jesus and come to Christ. Some of you are here today and you've spent a whole lot of time accusing Jesus of all sorts of things. But you look in the mirror in the morning, you know the truth. The reason you're not following Christ is because you don't want to submit to Jesus because you think that you're the God of your own destiny and your own universe. I'm here to tell you today. That Jesus died to set you free. But you will not find freedom in Christ until you're ready and willing to confess your sin, to repent. That means to turn from it and turn to Jesus Christ. He is the hope of the world. Do you know that when I say that to you, here's what I believe. I believe that some of you showed up in here ticked off and you're only here to satisfy somebody else. But I believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ can break through your anger and your sin and your pain and your hurt and your shame. Some of you showed up here and you haven't been in church in 15 years because some pastor made you mad. And you're just looking for a reason to be mad at me. And I'm here to tell you, I think that he can actually break through that and even use me, weak, messed up. Dumb as I sometimes am, he can use me to proclaim that message and to break through your hard heart that you can be saved because it's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus is so strong and mighty and that his death is so effective that no matter how bad you've been hurt, that he can heal your hurts. That's what I believe because that's what the Bible teaches We should anticipate a response because the gospel is powerful. You should expect it to work. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised that the apostle Paul could get saved. Don't. The power of the gospel is that strong. Folks, sometimes we don't see responses to the gospel because we just don't believe it's going to work. We don't expect it. Share the gospel. Anticipate a response. Imagine that Philip jumps up in this chariot. He starts reading, and this is what the guy says. He goes, "Man, why can't I be baptized right now?" I led a guy to Jesus in the gym one time. I know I've shared this story before, um, but uh, let me let me tell you how the whole thing went down. Um, I'd been working with him. We're we're having. We're benching, so Monday, International Bench Press Day, probably. Um, so, and, and, and this guy was stronger than me, so that, that didn't help a whole lot with my pride. And we're, we're working, and there's, there's weight on the bar, and in between sets, I'm trying to share with him the gospel. And, and finally, I, I'll never forget, I, I, I was spotting him. He stood up. I'm standing behind the bench. He's on the other side. He says, I said, man, is that something you'd be interested in? He said, I want to do that right now. I said, well, man, you want to step out in the parking lot or, or the, the locker room? He said, no, 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 right now. I was like, right, right here? Like, right, right, right here? All, all, right, right here. Right there. Can I tell you, I wasn't expecting that. Kind of caught me off guard. I don't imagine that Philip jumped up in that chair and expected that guy to go, hey, there's water. Can I get baptized right now? He said, I want to repent and believe now. Folks, don't be shocked. Sometimes the Lord lays it out for us. But why did Philip get that opportunity? Because he obeyed the Lord and went to the middle of nowhere. He was sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. He jumped up in the chariot as soon as he saw the opportunity. He preached the gospel to this guy. Remember, this is a high-ranking official in Candace's um, re- retinue. That's not the right word. In Candace's in, in, in government now, Candace is not a personal name. This is sort of like a, a matriarchal name for the Ethiopian Empire. So the Candace is the queen of the Ethiopian Empire. This eunuch is her treasurer. This guy is important, and he matters. And Philip jumps up in there with him. Lousy, stinky old Philip. He ain't nobody, and he's in the chariot with somebody in the middle of nowhere because God had a plan for a nobody to share Jesus with a somebody And then to see that, somebody gets saved. But watch, he jumps up in there, he's expecting the gospel to work, and then he goes, well, I want to do it right now. Phil's like, all right. Well, let's make it happen. Anticipate a response. Expect it. And then always be prepared to lead someone to Christ. Philip called for the response, didn't he? Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. They were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water, what prevents me from being baptized? And watch, the eunuch commanded the chariot to stop. Just imagine. Stop. I want to get baptized. And Philip said, Yes, sir. They jump out. They went down into the water. Side note, they went down into the water, came up out of the water. This is why we baptize by full immersion because the biblical picture over and over and over again is that people are taken down into the water. Figuratively, they're buried with Christ, raised to a new life. Okay? That's why we do it. That's why we're Baptists. Went down into the water, he's baptized, he comes back out. Watch, God's plan for Philip was not that he was going to have an opportunity to disciple this guy. It's crazy. Boom, as soon as that happens, God sends Philip somewhere else. The Lord took that man we believe in and, and, and did great things to him. It's what we hope, we expect. There are going to be times in your life when God's going to send you to somebody and you're not going to have the opportunity to have a long-term relationship with him. You're just going to share the gospel. Sometimes they're going to get saved, sometimes they're not. And then you're just going to have to leave them. You're going to leave them. Now, it's a different kind of world than what Philip lived in, isn't it? We can leave them with a phone number. We say, will you text me? I'd love to help you grow in Christ. Let me help you get connected to a local church. But whatever it is, the Lord may just send you to somebody for a moment or for a season in that place. Be prepared to lead them to Christ. Be prepared. Have a tool. What are you going to do? Be patient, right? If someone isn't ready, you don't have to be pushy. Somebody says, "I'm I'm not quite ready for that yet. Do me this favor. Don't look at them and go, well, if you die and go to hell, it's not my problem. I told you, didn't I? No. I say, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know that I'm there. Then what do we do? We look at him and say, thank you for allowing me this opportunity. I'm praying for you. And if you say that, you better do it. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that God's going to put other people in your path. And here's my phone number. And if I can help you, please call me. But if they're ready. Oh, time out. Patience is not the same thing as not calling for a response, by the way. Okay. Don't be like, well, I decided I'd be patient and just leave them alone. No, give them the chance. Hey, here's a million dollars. Do you want it? It's yours if you want it. I don't want it. All right, well, I'm going to be patient as you think about it. That's not the same thing as saying, I got a million dollars, have a good day. I'm going to be patient, wait and see if they ask me for it. No, give them a chance to respond. But if they're not there, pray for them, be patient. If If you can meet with them again, meet with them again. Sit down with them. Continue to work with them. But how do you prepare to, to, to kind of seal the deal? How can you lead someone to Christ? You can use the three circles. We, we trained that a while back here. We have these little cards we give out that you can do it so it's written on the back. You can help somebody to walk through God's design for their life is that they would live with Him in holy relationship. Because of sin, those relationships have been fractured and broken. Because of that brokenness, we have a desperate need for salvation but the promise of God's word is that because Jesus died to set us free from our sin, that we can repent and believe. And because of that, repentance and believe, acceptance of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can be recovered to our or restored to our original created relationship with God. We can have an opportunity to live with Him forever. You can use that. You might use the Romans' roads. You, you might use a track. You might tell your story. Right? We've all got a story. I was this. Jesus saved me, now I'm this. And this is how Jesus saved me. If you don't know what you would do, call me. I'd be happy to walk you through the gospel to help you. I would. There's 150 people in this church that would love to help you if you're not sure what your next step would be if somebody says, I want to get saved. But listen, let me remind you of this. You don't need me. You can do this. You can. Some of your Bibles have the plan of salvation written in the front of them. You can do this. Folks, it's not about ability. It's just about having the courage. Which brings us all the way back to where we begin. Why don't we? Because we just don't trust enough. We don't trust enough. How can you share the gospel well? Trust God's plan. All of it. There is no plan B. The church is the plan from God to proclaim the gospel to all the world. The only hope for salvation is Jesus Christ. And the gospel is proclaimed through the church of Jesus Christ. You all are the plan. Nobody else is coming. Trust God's plan and obey. Second thing this morning, be sensitive to the spirit. Folks, if you wake up in the morning and you pray, Lord God, give me opportunities to serve you. Give me people to share the gospel with. you know what you're going to find? You're going to find people in your path that you can share the gospel with. When you open your heart to being more sensitive, you're going to discover that there are opportunities literally everywhere. The third thing, expect to share the gospel. Walk in and expect it. And then fourthly, anticipate a response. Don't be surprised when you share the gospel that somebody says, I need that. So this morning, to whom is God sending you? It may be the next person you meet. It might be the child that woke up down the hall from you this morning. It could be the grandchildren living across town. The student sitting in the third row, your third block teacher, your boss, your coworker. To whom is God sending you? I don't know. But I'm pretty sure that Philip had no idea when he woke up that morning that God was sending him to the middle of nowhere to meet. an official in the Ethiopian government who would be reading from the book of Isaiah who needed to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm confident Philip had absolutely no idea. But I know that because Philip was obedient to the Lord, because Philip trusted the Lord, because Philip was sensitive to the Spirit, because he expected to share the gospel, because he anticipated a response, I know this, Philip had no idea, but he was able to share the gospel with this man because God willed it, intended it, and Philip obeyed. To whom is God sending you? I don't know. My greatest question for you is this. Are you going to be obedient to share with that person? This morning, as we've gathered... There's a lot of y'all here this morning and I'm confident there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Some of you don't know Jesus because you've never had the opportunity. Some of you don't know Jesus because you've not wanted to trust. Some of you don't know Jesus maybe because you've been mad or hurt or angry. This morning today can be the day of your salvation. See, we all deserve death, hell, Sin and in punishment because of our sin but Jesus died to rescue us if you're here this morning Jesus will save you would you come this morning as we stand and sing in just a minute like that eunuch today can be the day, right now there's some of you here today who belong to Jesus but haven't been living for Christ I don't know your story maybe you've been hurt Maybe you've been selfish. Maybe you've been angry. I don't know. Some of you are living in that desert place that God sent Philip. And today God has sent me to that desert place with you to tell you that God loves you in that place but doesn't want to leave you there. Today will you come out of the desert? Will you come out? Will you grab on the back of that chariot? Will you be pulled down to those waters? Will you be rescued? Jesus desires to set you free today. And l- please listen. What you did last week doesn't matter, what happened last year is in the rear view where you've been, what you've done, those who have done it to you, listen. God sees you in the desert and He has sent His Word there as streams of living water. Will you walk away from your hard heart today and walk into Jesus? His burden is easy. He desires to carry your struggles and your pains. This morning, I would love to pray with you as you seek relief from those burdens. Perhaps this morning you'd like to come and pray at this altar. You're welcome. However it is that the Lord's at work in your life. I'm calling for you to respond. And I'm expecting the gospel to work. Would you be obedient to God's work in your life? Stand with me as we pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you would put away our pride, Father, shame, anger, hurts, whatever that would keep us separated from you, Lord God, and that today you would bring healing repentance, and hope. We trust you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Sing with us this morning.